0: Today's text <clears throat> is in the very middle part of Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, which was obviously preached all together at once rather than broken up into three lectionary passages. So I want you to imagine for a moment, what if I preached the first third of my sermon today, and then we waited a week, came back, and I preached just that middle part. And then two weeks from today, you heard just that last part. You wouldn't receive the intended message of the whole sermon by only hearing one part of it each week. And likewise, it's important for us to reflect on today's passage in light of what we heard last week and what we would hear next week in our lectionary if it wasn't Transfiguration Sunday. So Chris preached last week on that first third of this Sermon on the Plain, uh, and he shared insights about blessings and woes and reminded us that there really is no us and them, but only us. So let's hear these initial words of this middle section again in context following this litany of woes. But I say to you that listen, Or maybe in today's words, it might sound more like, but I say to you that haven't already checked out to mindlessly scroll on your phone. Either way, to you, here is a laundry list of actions. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Turn the other cheek to the one who strikes you. Give generously to everyone who asks you. And then it culminates in the most famous of these commands, the golden rule, do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, I imagine maybe a few of you are thinking, love my enemy? Um, I don't think so. But I want you to start maybe with a question. Do you think of love as a noun or a verb? Love in this passage, I believe, isn't a noun, but more of a verb. It may not be possible for you to feel love for an enemy or someone who hurts you, but that doesn't prevent you from acting in a loving way. And now you're probably thinking, okay, well, that may sound good in theory, but let's talk about practicality. How do we love our enemies? And the golden rule, it was a concrete way that people listening to Jesus would understand how to embody the difficult task of loving their enemies. And I suggest it remains a good way today. Treating others as we would want them to treat us is one part of this how. But the more difficult part is how we put ourselves in a place to embody this golden rule. And I think it comes down to the verbs. The verbs in that laundry list of actions and how we act day in and day out. As followers of Christ, we are called not to be reactive in difficult situations, but rather to intentionally love and be merciful. This isn't our natural reaction in situations like Jesus is describing, but the deeper our relationship with God and the stronger our foundation, the more likely we will draw upon that love and lean on God in those moments. It's in the living of a life filled with lending, loving, giving, forgiving, and showing mercy that we recognize we can only live this way because God first acted and has already offered to us that and more. It is in this way of living that we build the foundation that allows us to lean on God and offer love in those moments when we want to simply react otherwise. The golden rule is at the heart of Jesus' teaching. Yet, how many of us struggle with even loving ourselves? If we struggle with loving ourselves, how are we to love others? When we criticize and judge ourselves, we are certainly more likely to do the same to others. How often do we immediately start trying to fix the other when an issue arises, when we really need to look within before we look without? Loving ourselves is an important part of being able to love our enemies. If we can't offer our self-forgiveness and love, how are we to offer it to those who we care about, much less our enemies? I think a good first step would be listening. When we listen, we open ourselves to learning how to love and how to love all. Love not just those who can return the favor, but love all. Love those who we view as enemies or who maybe view us as enemies. Love not just in thought, but love in action. Love not necessarily as a noun, but more of a verb. We are called to live a life of imitation, rather than exchange, to live a life in imitation of God rather than a life where we only love, bless, pray, lend, and give to those who can repay the favor or do something similar in exchange. Jesus is teaching us to live a life of imitation where we are kind to the ungrateful and offer mercy to all, just as God is merciful to us. One of the amazing aspects of love is that when we love others, even our enemies, it doesn't limit the amount of love we still have to offer. Love isn't infinite, but rather a wonder of abundance. For the more we love, the more love we have to give. In the words of one commentary, Christians behave lovingly to their enemies, not as a play to outmaneuver them, not even because they anticipate a reward, but finally because God is a God of mercy. God is kind even to the underserving, and that kindness must be found also in the lives of God's children. We are all God's children. So we are each called to be kind and merciful because God is kind and merciful to us. Too often, we long for judgment for others and mercy for ourselves. But that isn't how it works. When we use our ears to listen and our our eyes are open to see others not as them but as part of us. When we see all as part of a communal us, then we can no longer desire judgment for some and mercy for others. When we use our ears to listen and our, <clears throat> and our eyes to see then our heart can respond with love, love for friends and enemies. Love As a verb, love and action through blessing and praying and giving and forgiving. We referenced that first phrase of today's passage, and now I want us to recall the last phrase. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Now, we can easily be left here with a quid pro quo taste in our mouth if we stop here. But thankfully, this isn't the end. Remember, this is only the end of the middle. And with that last part of this sermon on the plain, on the tip of Jesus's tongue. So the sermon ends with four parables, or rather four similes, drawn from everyday life with which those listening to Jesus could easily identify. One about a blind person being led by another blind person one about the speck in our neighbor's eye and the plank in our own one about good and bad fruit and then one about a house built on a strong foundation and another without a foundation so in this very last part of the sermon on the plain Jesus continues and says why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house who dug deeply and laid a foundation on a rock. When a flood arose, the river burst again. That house, but could not, it could not shake it because it had been built well. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst again, immediately it fell, and great was the ruin of the house. When our lives are focused on God and filled with actions from this laundry list, a strong foundation is built a foundation strong enough to sustain the floods of life and allow us to draw upon our faith to respond with love, even when it isn't our natural instinct. Often, when we read Scripture, we are quick to focus on ourselves, on where we see ourselves in the text or what it's telling us. You hear this theme, us, us. But what we must remember is that the Bible isn't about us. The Bible is about God. The Bible teaches us about God and invites us to deeper communion with God. It invites us to open our hearts, to grow and be transformed as God speaks to us through the living word. Jesus teaches us a great deal about God throughout the New Testament. But this passage offers us the heart of the message, according to Robert Darden. He says, Jesus distills his message and boils it down to its essence. Love others and love ourselves, because God loves you. If you love the least of these in your life, everything else will work out. This passage is about what God wants from us and God's plans for our lives. Friends, God loves us and wants us to imitate that love. Listeners on that level plane centuries ago, and listeners here on this level plane today, are called not to react as the culture teaches, but to respond as Jesus teaches with love, forgiveness, and generosity. Offering love without expecting anything back and being kind even to the ungrateful. That is the way of Christ. Living in this way of Christ helps us to be doers of the word And not just hearers. By living this way of life, we are building our house upon the rock, and it will sustain us when the floods come. By building a foundation of love, we hope in these moments that we can take a deep breath, remember the other is really part of the communal us, and respond with kindness and mercy and love rather than let the house be washed away with one single reactive response. This is certainly a way of living that we all strive to embrace. But the truth is that we can't love our enemies on our own. The only reason we can even begin to respond to hurtful situations with kindness, love, and mercy rather than more hurt is by the grace of God. God loves us first and meets our hurtful responses with grace and mercy and love. May we go and do likewise. Amen.